to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. I started a new sermon series last week, and it's called Experiencing Financial Freedom. Experiencing Financial Freedom, Managing Your Finances God's Way. This is the second week. Now, I want to start off with a question. Uh, this time, it's more of a survey, okay? Which is more likely to get someone out of financial trouble and on the path to financial freedom? I'm going to give you a couple options. You don't necessarily have to... Raise your hand. This is just to get you thinking. But which of the following is more likely to get somebody out of financial problems if they're in financial problems and on the path to financial freedom? How about winning the lottery? How about inheriting a whole bunch of money from some relative you didn't even know you had? You know, sometimes you watch a movie and that happens. Somebody's just doing life and somebody shows up and says, hey, I'm a lawyer and you didn't know this, but you had a great aunt, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so and she died and left you. Anyway, you know, I, let's just be honest. How many have ever dreamed? I wonder, wouldn't that be neat if that happened to me? Yeah, right? Third option. There's probably many more options, but third option. Wisdom and hard work. That one is not near as appealing, is it? But can I tell you that that's the only real valid option? It's a solid stability, financially speaking. And to be honest with you, even if you did somehow win the lottery or inherit a bunch of money from somebody, if you don't have wisdom and are willing to do the hard things, you probably will not have financial stability. I mentioned it last week. We've all probably heard the stories of people that win the lottery, they get all this money, and then you find out that two or three years later they're bankrupt, owe more money than they did before they won the lottery, and they don't know what they're going to do. Because if you don't use the wisdom and you're not willing to do the hard things, you aren't going to be able to hold on to and manage money well. And to be honest with you, even though people dream and maybe actively try to win the lottery or one of these other things, chances are that's not going to happen to you. So if we want to have financial freedom, we have to be willing to use wisdom. And God gives us a lot of wisdom about financial things. That's why we're looking at this series for uh, last week and about three more weeks. Experiencing financial freedom. God has given us a lot of wisdom. Today, we're going to talk about how to get out of financial bondage. How to get out of financial bondage. Last week we talked about how to get into financial bondage. Many of you were here, some of you maybe weren't here and say, why in the world would you talk about how to get into it? Nobody wants to get into it. Because the idea is, is when you figure out how to get into it, you just avoid those things, okay? Actively avoid those things. Do the opposite so you don't end up in financial bondage. But today we're going to talk about how to get out of it. And I just want to say this before we jump in. We're going to be talking about finances today. But the things, the steps that we're going to talk about on how to get out financial bondage are the same steps we need to take to get out of any kind of bondage that we are in. 
And I just want to mention that because there may be some of you that are here today say, oh, I could use a little bit of advice for my finances, but I'm not doing too bad or whatever. But you may find yourself in some other kind of bondage. In fact, that may be the main way God wants you to apply this today. You are in bondage to something. Maybe people know it. Maybe nobody knows it except for you. This is how you get out of that kind of bondage too. But we are talking about finances. How to get out of financial bondage. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 15. Starting in verse 11, it is the same story, the same parable that we read from last week. But we're going to look at the whole thing today. We only looked at the first half last week. So Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, the parable that is well known as the parable of the prodigal son. Verse 11. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? We're going to read the rest of it in just a moment. I want to stop there for just a second. We only looked at the first half of this story last week when we talked about how to get into financial bondage. And what we saw in this story were these steps, these things that the prodigal son did that led to his desperate situation. First of all, he overestimated the importance of money. He basically told his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead because I want what's coming to me. So would you give it to me anyway? Because money and what he thought it would do for him was more important than his integrity then his relationships and everything else. So overestimating the importance of money will lead us to financial ruin. The second thing was to live for instant gratification. We know what that's like. I want it and I want it now. That was his attitude. The third one was to spend it on wasteful activity. He went off. He had plenty of money, so he did whatever he wanted. And it wasn't long before it was gone. The fourth one is don't plan for the future. He didn't plan for the future. He thought the money would last forever. He didn't know a famine was coming. All of a sudden, the money runs out. The famine is there, and he had not planned for the future. And the last one was spend more than you can afford. It says he spent everything. He didn't hold some back. He didn't save some. He didn't budget well. He spent everything. And we can find ourselves falling into that problem too, spending more than you can afford. So if you missed that last week, you can go back and watch it or listen to it online. But that's how the prodigal son got himself in his desperate situation. And that's often how we find ourselves in financial bondage. Now, I mentioned this last week and I want to mention it again. Sometimes we can find ourselves in difficult situations financially or in some other way And there's other circumstances that play a part too. Okay, so my point is not to try to make you feel guilty if you find yourself in a really difficult situation, if you've really tried to do everything right, and you've been serving God, and you've been using His principles, but there are circumstances that have come your way beyond your control. 
But I would say that there are probably fewer cases of that than those of us that get ourselves into trouble because we just didn't do the right thing. So at this point in the story, we see the prodigal son, the prodigal son has used up all his resources. He's broke. He's alone. But we're going to see in the rest of the story that he took some good steps. He took the right steps to get himself out of the bondage that he was in. So let's pick the story back up there. Okay. We'll go back to verse 17. He's finding himself in the field, feeding pigs, wishing he could eat pig's law. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And when he arose and came to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So from the second half of the story, I want to take a look at the things that the prodigal son did that helped him get out of his difficult situation and apply them to our lives. Things that we can do, steps that we can take to get out of financial bondage or any other kind of bondage, as I mentioned before. The first step is we must accept responsibility. We need to accept responsibility. Like I said, there are times circumstances come our way that are beyond our control, totally out of the blue. There's no way we could have planned for them. Although last week we talked about we need to plan the best we can for whatever might come our way. But most of the time, the difficulties that we face, we've had something to do with it. And we need to accept responsibility. It'd be very easy to say that in today's society, people don't want to take responsibility for the messes they've made of their lives. And that would be true. And it seems like it's worse than it used to be. But to be honest with you, it's always been that way. How many of you lovingly and joyfully step forward when you've made a mistake and say, it's all my fault? Now, I know people that are perfectly willing to admit, you know what? I blew it. It's all my fault. But there's something inside of us. We don't want to fail. And when we failed, we don't want people to think we're a failure. And by the way, this isn't even in my notes. It just came to me. I heard this. I love this. I didn't make it up. But failure is an, is, is a circumstance. It's not a person. Okay. In other words, you are not a failure. You may have failed at something. You may have made a mistake. You may have chosen to do something and it really blew up in your face. But that doesn't make you a failure. The enemy would love to make people feel like you are a failure and you never be anything other than that. But we've got to accept responsibility. There's a lot of different phrases that we can hear from our children and we may find echoing in our mind And one of the most popular is, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. You know, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. 
When Eve listened to the serpent, gave in to the temptation, ate the fruit, gave it to Adam, he willingly ate of it also. God came and dealt with them about that. And what they do? They all tried to pass the buck. God spoke to Adam and said, hey, what's this you did? I told you not to do it. He says, it's not my, paraphrase, it's not my fault. It's that woman you gave me. Went to Eve. It's not my fault. It's that serpent. You know, we want to pass the buck. We don't like to admit that we have failed. We don't like to admit that we've caused our own problems. But if we really want to get out of the difficulty, if we really want to get out of the bondages that we find ourselves in, including finances, we have to accept the responsibility for getting into financial bondage. I've heard some really weird and kind of funny stories that it's like, it's hard to believe that that's true. You hear every once in a while about people suing fast food restaurants because they got fat eating there. I'm sorry, not fat. That's not politically. They got obese eating there. I heard a story one time, and I looked it up to see if it was true, and I think it's true, about this guy that sued his cable company because he asked them to cut off his cable and they forgot. So they had it for free for two years and his whole family turned into couch potatoes and he said it was the cable company fault. Because they didn't cut off the cable. It just shows the lengths that people will want to go to to to, to just not take responsibility for the circumstances of their lives. The prodigal son had gotten himself into a mess, but he was willing to admit it. In Luke 15, 18, he says, and he plans this ahead of time. He says this to himself, and then he goes to his father, and he says it to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He said, I got myself into a terrible mess, and it's my fault. I accept responsibility. We also need to admit responsibility for the financial messes we get ourselves into, even if it's only partially our fault. We can't just put it off on somebody else. We can't just put it off on something else. We've got to accept responsibility. But we need to not only accept responsibility for getting into the financial problems, we need to accept responsibility for getting out of the financial bondage. We're in trouble. I got myself there. Hopefully God's going to help me. And God will. Hopefully there'll be other people that may be able to give me a hand along the way. But I'm not going to be looking to somebody else. I'm not going to be totally dependent. I'm going to take responsibility to get myself out of this mess. We see this in the prodigal son. The first step he took in Luke 15, 15, it says, So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Certainly wasn't a career choice he wanted to make. But when he realized he was in difficulties, I've got to do something about this, and he took this job. It definitely was not glamorous, but it was a job. He didn't just expect that somebody else was going to get him out of trouble. You know, I think it's true for every single one of us. This is not something that's only true of bad people or uh, irresponsible people, but we like quick, easy solutions. I love quick, easy solutions. You know, I've said this before. I love it when I've got some kind of problem or whatever and I pray and God just takes care of it like that. It's like it's all done. It's like, thank you, Jesus. But most of the time, it's a a process. 
Most of the time, God says, well, I'm trying to teach you something, so you're going to go through this or whatever. And especially if it's something I've caused for myself, I've got to learn a lesson about that. But we see here that the prodigal son took some steps. And they may not have been big, glorious, glamorous steps. He's feeding pigs, but at least it was a step in the right direction. I think that that's one of the reasons why we see so many people playing the lottery. Why you see so many people getting caught up in the bondage of gambling. Why you see so many people falling for the scams that are out there. Because it sounds so good. It'll get me out of this problem. It'll get me a bunch of money. It'll, it'll, that's how scammers make their living. People that are desperate. People that want a quick, easy, Solution. There's all kinds of get-rich-quick schemes that are out there. But the only effective long-term solution is to be disciplined and willing to do the difficult things. It wasn't easy for the prodigal son to hire himself out to this pig farmer to slop the pigs, but it was a lot better than starving. And so he took that step. For us today, if we find ourselves in bondage, We can't just count on some miraculous provision. We can pray. No telling what God might or might not do. We can't just hope and pray that we're going to win the lottery or all these other things that just are such a small, minuscule possibility of ever happening. We've got to be willing to accept responsibility to do the difficult things, to do what needs to be done to get out of those situations. And sometimes it means that we need to Settle for something less than what we really would like. We may need to take a lower paying job while we're waiting for and looking for a higher paying job. It may mean that we need to live in a smaller house that's not quite as good until we get ourselves to a position where we can have the bigger house. We may need to drive a car that we really would rather not until we get ourselves out of the problem. We need to be willing to make the difficult decisions and accept responsibility to get ourselves out of the difficulty. But the good thing is that the Bible makes it very clear that God will work with people who are willing to do their part. And God blesses those who are faithful to do what he calls them to do. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. It basically says, if you're going to be lazy, you're going to struggle. But if you want to be diligent and you want to be willing to do the hard things, God will help you have what you need. We need to have that attitude of, I got myself into this mess. I'm going to get myself out. I'm going to get myself out. The second thing that we see the prodigal son did, and we need to do, is acknowledge the bondage. We need to stop the denial. We need to not only be willing to admit I've got a problem and I got myself into it and I need to take responsibility to get out, but we need to realize that this is not just some little simple thing. I am in difficulty. I am in bondage. Not just try to push it off, push it aside, cover it over. We see the prodigal son did this in Luke fifteen seventeen. It says, but when he came to himself. You know, some of us need to come to ourselves. Whereas we need to wake up And see where we really are. He said, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. He's feeding the pigs. He's still hungry. 
He's living day to day. And all of a sudden it's like, what in the world am I doing? I'm in bondage. I could go back home and work for my dad as a servant and do better than I am here. He acknowledged that he was in bondage. He stopped denying his circumstances. He realized he was worse off than his father's servants because he'd become a slave. Not even a literal slave, but he was a slave to his past mistakes. He was a slave to his current circumstances. And now he's completely dependent on a pig farmer. But he came to himself. Proverbs 22, 7. Proverbs has a lot of great wisdom about finances and a lot of other areas of life. But Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is the slave of the lender. And I know there's a lot of things that we could draw from that verse and other verses and just life in general about sometimes the rich oppress the poor and stuff like that. But that's not really what this is about. It's just saying that when you're doing fine financially, you're doing better than the poor. And the poor often are slave to the lender because they get themselves into debt so much. And we see that in um, our own society. We see that in the lives of people that have done this, whether you've done it or not. But when we get ourselves deeply in debt, we become a servant. We become a slave. We no longer work for ourselves. We work for all the people that we owe. And it binds us up. Isn't that what bondage is all about? We're bound. I mentioned last week, we can't, we can't do all the things we'd love to do. We can't Give to God's kingdom like we would love to give. We can't help other people like we'd like to help other people. We can't have the things that we want unless we get ourselves in deeper into bondage by using more and more credit. And then we're more tightly strapped. We're not free to do totally what we want with our income because we're a slave to the people or the companies, the institutions that we owe the money to. I saw a bumper sticker one time. Those of you that are older will recognize this movie reference. But the bumper sticker said, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. How many of you know which movie that was a reference to? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, the original one. The dwarves are singing, I owe, I owe, I'm off to work I go. Anyway, but that's what the bumper sticker said. That's why I go to work, I owe everybody. But you know what? It's just like if we're sick in our bodies. The first step we need to take is to admit that we're sick. That we have a need and do something about it. The same thing is true with life-controlling problems. Perhaps you have known people who just totally deny that they have a life-controlling problem. I've been told, not because I've experienced or even really know anybody, but that's a real problem with somebody dealing with alcoholism. Because it's very easy to have a problem with alcohol, but not be willing to admit that you really have a problem with alcohol. Or any other kind of bad habit or life-controlling issue. You know, one of the phrases that's often said is, I can quit any time. But there's never that choice to quit, because actually it really isn't the truth. What are some indicators of financial bondage? I read about these in an article one time, and I'm just going to go through them really quickly. See how many of these might relate or how many of these might apply to you. First of all is guilt when you spend money. 
Even when you spend it on stuff that you have to have, it's like you almost feel guilty because the money's not really there. The second one is deception. Pretending to live on a level that's not real. Or it's making sure things look a whole lot better on the outside than they really are. Now, I'm not... I'm not one that would say, well, you know what, but you need to just drag all your dirty laundry out in front of everybody else and expose all these things to, to the world. But, but this idea of totally trying to, to hide everything from everybody about how bad it is. Stress from stalling creditors and putting off paying bills and trying to pay this bill this month and that one that month so they won't cut this off and all that. So you got stress. You've got worry. You have a hard time thinking about and enjoying anything else because of the condition of your finances. Fighting. In your home, money is a fighting word. Envy. Jealous of others because they have more. Resentment. Angry with God for not giving you more. Loneliness. Feeling alienated from friends and those around you because they don't seem to have the financial problems you do. Hopelessness. Getting deeper into debt and seeing no way out. And the last one is low self-esteem. Feeling like a failure in the area of finances. Now, we may all deal with any number of those or one of those to a little degree because of certain decisions we make, but when those are symptoms of the overwhelmingly way, we overwhelmingly so in the way that we live our life and we react to life because of the financial difficulties we're in, you know, the higher level of feelings those are and the more of those things that apply the more of a sign that we may need to get some help. Now, I want to say this very, very quickly, that sometimes there are people that have problems with financial bondage, but they don't even realize it because they actually have a really good income flow. In other words, people that have a lot of money coming in, they can still be in bondage to debt, but it doesn't hurt as bad because they've got more money. And I would just say that that's something to keep be aware of, that even if all of our financial needs seem to be met because there's plenty of money coming in, we still want to look and say, am I in bondage to anything financially? We'll talk more about that another time. The third thing that we can do and that the prodigal son did to get out of financial bondage is develop a plan. Develop a plan. You know, it'd be great if you're willing to admit that you have a problem, that I've caused the problem, and I'm in bondage, but if we don't develop a plan to get out, we just stay stuck there. The prodigal son could have kept feeding the pigs and somehow eked by for the rest of his life, saying, I caused this problem myself, I'm just going to put up with it. He could have accepted the responsibility. He could have said, you know, it's all my fault. I'm in bondage and did nothing. But he didn't. He developed a plan. We see this in verses 18 and 19. He's talking to himself. He says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. The prodigal son had this bright idea and he developed a plan. He says, my father's servants back home have it a whole lot better than I do. I'm going to go back home. Now, I'm not going to go back expecting my son, my father's going to welcome me with open arms because I basically told him I wish he was dead. And I don't even know if my father will even talk to me. Now, I know I'm putting stuff in here that's not in the story, but it's very, very realistic possibilities. But at least it's a good chance, or at least I have a chance 
to make my circumstances better. This plan is better than the plan I'm living by now because there's no future in feeding pigs. So he developed a plan. And in the same way, we can't keep on going on doing the same things financially that got us into trouble and expect that some miracle is going to get us out. We need a plan. And I would just say this for any and every single one of us, one of the best things you can do to make sure your finances are in the best possible condition is to read a book that's been out for over 20 years. It's called The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. How many of you ever heard of Dave Ramsey? Quite a few of you. Yeah, he's a Christian guy. He's got a nationally syndicated talk show and has for the last 20-something years. He went bankrupt two or three times. He was a real estate guy and before he finally realized, I'm doing something wrong. And he decided to follow God's principles in his word and totally came out of that and decided to spend the rest of his life helping other people following God's principles to get out of debt, out of bondage, into a place of solid financial security. And he does it by just taking one little step at a time. In fact, he likes to call them baby steps. You know how it is when a baby's uh, starting to learn to walk, they got to take these little teeny tiny steps. Sometimes when you've got a big problem, you've got to take little tiny steps to get out. So I encourage you to check that out. And you can check it out online also. He's got a whole website and all kinds of stuff there. But the thing is, you need to have a plan. You need to develop a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. That last phrase, everyone who is hasty, it's like everyone who wants to get it taken care of quick, everyone who wants to cut corners, everyone, you know, it, it's not going to work out that way. you got to have a plan and you got to carry that out. You know, really, we're going to talk a lot more about it next week, but there's only two solutions, two categories of solutions to solve your financial difficulties. Two main areas of your plan. Number one, you either have to increase your income. How do you do that? Get a different job, get another job, some other way to bring income in. Or you've got to decrease your expenses. Make up a budget. May need to stop using credit cards for a while. I've known people that cut their credit cards up. I once knew of a deacon in one of our churches, we were a youth pastor out, that he kept his credit cards frozen in his freezer. Seriously. He'd take a plastic glass, fill it with water, put his credit card in it, put it in the freezer because he knew that if he really wanted to use that thing, he had to go through a big thing to get it where he could use it. I mean, nowadays, that's you know, you just read the numbers off. of That was back when you had to swipe it to use it, okay? Nowadays, it wouldn't work. But I'm just saying, you know, what, what steps are you willing to take? What are you willing to do? Um, as I mentioned before, you may need to sell the house you have and buy a cheaper one. Sell the car you have and buy a cheaper one. You know, that we need to be willing to do the difficult things. And as I said, next week, we're going to talk a lot more about that because next week we're going to talk about experiencing that financial freedom. We're going to be talking about this, the, the biblical principles that God has in his word that will help us to get on solid foundation once we've decided that's what we want to do. Once you develop your plan, you need to write it down and you need to discuss it with your family, especially if you're married with your spouse, because you've got to be on the same page. Because it's not going to be easy. Wisdom and hard work. Like I said, that's the, that's the most logical thing that actually will work to get out of financial difficulty. The fourth one is this, and it's good to know we're not in this alone. Submit to the Father's will. We need to go to our Father. 
The prodigal son did that. I mean, in the story, it's literally his father, the one that he had treated so poorly, the one that he had basically spurned and said, I wish you were dead. But he, I guarantee he knew his father's character. And even though he knew that he'd hurt him deeply and dearly, that maybe his father would be open to helping him at least by letting him work in the fields with his servants. We need to submit to the father's will. Luke 15, 18 to 19. Again, I read this earlier. He said, I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You know, one of the biggest problems we have and what leads to the what leads to the bondage and what keeps us from getting out of it is pride. Pride. Pride will keep us from getting the help that we need from our Heavenly Father. It leads to our downfall. It's the biggest obstacle. Pride gets us into trouble because we think we know better. Because we believe, well, I don't need to do that. I can do this. Yeah, I know that wisdom says this. God's word says this. But I can do my own thing. Because I can make it work. And we get ourselves into trouble. But then pride will keep us from getting out of trouble also. Because we don't like to take advice and admit when we're wrong. We've made bad decisions. But the prodigal son admitted that his pride had got him into trouble. And he began to have a a submissive, a teachable spirit. And he went home with humility, ready to ask for forgiveness and ready to say, Father, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And can I tell you that we can apply that spiritually? That if we come to God and say, God, I've made a mess of my finances. Or if we're talking about some other area, God, I've made a mess of this area of my life. I've gotten myself into bondage. I've I've got this problem and I've been trying to handle it myself and I can't. If we go to God in humility and submission, say, God, what do you want me to do? I need your help. And we're willing to search his word and to listen to his wisdom and to put it into practice and do the hard things. God will help us. God will help us. But I tell you what, what we need to do is we need to do what God wants us to do with our finances. Too often we have the attitude of, God, would you help me with my finances? Now, I don't want to do what you want me to do with them, but would you help me with them? You know, sometimes we do the same thing with our marriages. God, help me with my marriage. Now, I don't really want to have to love my wife like Jesus loved the church. I don't really want to have to work with my husband and follow his leadership in the home and us work together. But God would, you know, it's amazing to me sometimes people that just want God's help, but they're not willing to do what God tells them to do. So we've got to be willing to do that. I'll talk some more about that down the road. The fifth and last thing is this. Start immediately. You know, sometimes there are people, they've gotten themselves into trouble financially or any other thing. They're willing to accept the fact they got them there and I got to do something to get out and, and, and they, and, and they, they, you know, they, they, they make plans and all that kind of stuff, but then they put off doing what they need to do. I'm sure none of you ever put off doing what you need to do. I do it all the time. Procrast, pro, procrastination. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time. I'm, I'm tired from the weekend, like I told you earlier. You know, we had a great weekend with the women's conference and everything, but wore me out. Procrastination. Knowing what we're supposed to do and we put it off and we put it off and we put it off. Luke fifteen twenty, 
after the prodigal son came to this realization and made this plan, it says, and he arose and came to his father. He didn't wait. Sometimes you wait too long, you change your mind. Sometimes you wait too long and it just seems so overwhelming so you don't even start. Once he decided to do something, he got a plan in place, he immediately put it into action. You know, it wasn't until maybe in my 30s, I'm just guessing here because I hadn't really thought it all the way out, that I became aware of a lot of these different financial principles and all that kind of stuff. And I learned a lot of stuff and I said, you know what, I wish I had known this when I was younger. And I wish I had put it into practice when I was younger. I'm sure you probably had situations like that too. And thank God that once we learned about these principles and we were thinking, you know, in a, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're not thinking about retirement. You think, I don't know that I'm going to live that long. Not because you're careless. It's like, that's like forever away from now. I've got plenty of time. But there were so many things I wish that I had started or we had started when we were younger, but thankfully started them then. So now we're going to be okay. But things would have been different if we could have started younger, started earlier. And the same thing is true when we find ourselves in financial difficulty. We need to start now. Not next week, not next month, not, not when I finally get that different job, not when I finally have this circumstance different or that circumstance different. In fact, I would venture to say that maybe some of you that you've already known what you needed to change for a while, but you just haven't done it yet. You've been putting it off. As I mentioned before, the prodigal son didn't know how his father was going to respond, but he knew he had to try. But we see what the prodigal son's father's response was. Let me reread it. It's verses 20 to 24. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. What that tells me is his father was in a place where he could see him coming. He may have even been looking for him. His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, his shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now this story doesn't say that the father totally reversed all the bad decisions the son had made. And I just have a feeling he probably didn't. By law and by the way their culture was, he couldn't then go to the older son, hey, give up part of your inheritance to give to your younger son who just squandered. No. All this is saying is that the father loved him so much that in spite of his difficulty, he was willing to welcome him back and to help him get started again. And to not only welcome him back as a slave or a servant, but to still recognize him as his son. And I believe our heavenly father has that same attitude. Even when we're in bondage financially or in some other way and it's because of our own fault and we've done stupid things, we did them willingly, deliberately, that when we're willing to come back to God and say, God, I made a mess of it. Would you please accept me back and would you help me to get back on my feet again? I believe that God welcomes us with open arms. 
And the thing, one of the other things I like about this story is that the father didn't just wait stoically for his son to walk up to him. It says his father ran to him. Our heavenly father is much more willing to welcome us home than we may be to take the first steps to go back home. God will do that to, uh, for us when we come to him and humbly admit our sins and our shortcomings. He'll embrace us. He'll forgive us and he'll help us to get out of trouble. So again, we've been talking primarily about finances, but if you find yourself in financial bondage, whether deeply in bondage or only partly, I want to encourage you to consider these steps to accept responsibility, to acknowledge the bondage that there is in your life, to develop a plan, to submit to the Father's will, and to start immediately. As I mentioned last week, these are financial principles that you don't just settle by saying a prayer and then it's all taken care of. You just begin to do them. So that's really how we need to apply that today financially. But can I tell you that as I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, this applies to any other area in which we're in bondage. So I want to shift gears just a little bit and say that if you are in bondage in any area today, you're in bondage to an area of sin, you're in bondage to a bad habit. It may not even be sin, but it's a bad habit. You may be in bondage in some other circumstance or area of your life. God wants to help set you free. God wants to help set you free. Let's all stand together. I'm going to invite our elders and pastoral staff and prayer team members to come. Because our worship team is going to lead us in a little bit more worship. And we want to be available to pray with you or for you about anything that may be going on in your life. It can have to do with an area of bondage. It can have to do with your finances. If you want somebody to just agree with you and say, hey, I want to get this stuff together. I want to get get going the right direction. Would you just pray with me and agree with me that God's going to give me the strength to do that? It may be that you want prayer not for yourself, but somebody else, a family member, a friend, and they're sick or something else is going on in your life, in their life, and you would like us to pray with you about that. But also, if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with God, we'd love to have the privilege of talking with you and praying with you about getting right with God. So we're just going to sing for a couple of moments. I invite you to come. If you want prayer for anything this morning, we'll be glad to pray with you. And in just a couple of moments, one of us on the pastoral staff will close in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's still a couple people praying, and that's great. But you know what we just sang is the first step, just surrendering everything to God and being willing to follow where He leads and do what He instructs us to do. I just want to make a couple comments, and then we're going to close in prayer. And that is, you might say, you know, Pastor, I heard last week's sermon, I heard this week's sermon, or maybe just one or the other, and it's like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not real sure what the... The, the real first steps I need to make. Two things to that. Number one, that's exactly where we're going next Sunday. Specific things that God's word says that can lead us and keep us in financial stability to the degree that anybody can be in the world today. 
But if you would like to speak with someone about specific steps in your situation, come talk to me. I don't know everything, but I know some things. And I can steer you perhaps in a direction where you can get some insight into what you can do about your circumstance. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place today. God, we thank you for the way you took our ladies to Daytona Beach over the weekend and back safely. They had a wonderful time. But Lord, I thank you as wonderful as your presence was there. Your presence has been here this morning also. We thank you that you are always with your people whenever they meet together. And Father, I pray that as we leave this place to go out into the world, that you'd help us to be aware of your presence there also because you said you will go with us wherever we go. You never leave us or forsake us. And as we're out there at school, in our workplace, in our homes, wherever we go, you're with us. So Lord, help us to walk closely with you all week long. Help us with the problems we're going to face this week. Some we already know about, some we won't know until we get there. Help us in the joys, Lord God, to be thankful and grateful and to celebrate your goodness. And God, help us to live your life out in our homes, in our workplace, in school, and that people might see Jesus in us and we'd have the opportunity to point people to him. God, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness to us. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 